Hey, if you're loving Creative Mind, check out some of our past episodes where we dive deep into topics like children's book illustration, video game design, filmmaking, and of course, the most important topic of all, how do you make a living as an artist? So please hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so you never miss an episode. And check out the show notes for links to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube page for even more great content. I would sometimes draw on the chalkboard before the students would arrive to class and we would be studying cross-hatching or something. And so I just like go all out and they'd come to class and I'd have this big old drawing on the board and I would find myself just getting lost in those moments. That is our next guest, Caroline Bacovecchio, an MFA student in painting and drawing here at the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. Her creative process involves the exploration of that part of us that finds happiness and contentment in those simple things in life, like flying a kite. Throughout her career as an educator, Caroline taught art to students in Germany, Okinawa and Tokyo in Japan, and of course back in her hometown of Fresno, California. We had the chance to talk with her right as she was in the middle of packing up her and her entire family's life back into boxes to head back to Germany to teach as well as finish up her MFA online. Here's our conversation with Caroline Bacovecchio. You are an MFA student here at the Academy of Art, but you've been painting for a long time. Tell me what got you into this world of wanting to become a full-time working artist. Yeah, I've been making art since I was really young. My father was a painter, self-taught, and I was heavily influenced and inspired by all the art in our home and the artwork he was creating um, at a young age. I have to mention that because I think that's really where a lot of this, like the seed was planted. But as far as like a career I think it happened when I attended a high school that was geared towards the arts. It was called Roosevelt School of the Arts. And I think some of the opportunities that came along with that program, I took my first art classes, painting, drawing, and they would take us on field trips to visit art schools. And I think that was just like, whoa, this is an option. I I didn't really know a lot about that. Having said, my dad was self-taught. So that was just a world that was completely new to me. That was around towards the end of my high school experience. And then I had the opportunity to attend a program called Cal CISA. And it was a program for high school students who are interested in the arts and interested in pursuing a career in the arts. And it was hosted at Cal Arts in Valencia. I attended that after I graduated and I studied animation, character animation, and I was just surrounded by students from all over my age that were just super motivated and engaged in the arts. And it was just a time where I just really connected with a lot of my peers in that way, where I was like, wow, I feel like these are some people that I belong with. Yeah, it really felt like I connected with the people there. And also it just made it real for me. I actually got to connect with people in the industry. And at the time I was studying animation. So it was like artists from Disney and Pixar. And so that was just huge to see people actually making a living in the arts directly one-on-one and having those conversations. And I remember getting to share my sketchbook with some artists working, I think, at Pixar at the time. And that was just 
huge for a student at, at that age. You know, that was a big learning experience for me. Before you went to this summer program, had you just not met any artists your age? Not really. No. My exposure to the arts was through my dad. And he was actually really great at getting us out, visiting museums. There was like a little bit of a separation. So it was me and then the art world over there. And I was very fortunate <laughs> to, yeah, exactly. And But it was great that we got to kind of be exposed to that by visiting museums like the MoMA, the Asian American Museum in San Francisco, and the art museum here locally in Fresno. So we often did that kind of, we had that experience. So I think that was great for me as well. But like as far as peers and meeting other people who also were interested in the arts that were my age, yeah, I didn't really have that until high school or after high school. And that's tough because I know it's, it's hard for a lot of artists to really find their peers, even at a young age. Part of being an artist has that insular singularity where it's like, no, it's just me doing my thing. Right. Yeah. And that was something like it was a skill that I had. I enjoyed it. It was something that I was proud of. I just drew throughout my childhood. And that was my strength. I was always the smallest kid in the class. I was <laughs> never picked for the team, you know? So that was one thing that I could be good at. And I was oh, a wow. daydreamer too. So even my studies, I mean, wasn't the greatest because what was I doing? I was drawing or whatever assignment that involved art. That was what I excelled at. So being able to just like, okay, I can focus on this and have that outlet. I think that opportunity to attend that high school and go to that program at CalArts was a game changer for me. What, for what sure. were some of those early inspirations for you then when you were a kid? What was some some stuff you were looking at? Even if it was cartoons, what were some of those things you were looking at? They were like, wow, I love this. This is great. Yeah. So again, my dad, as a painter, he was very interested or inspired by our culture. We're Latino. So a lot of the art that he created was inspired by our culture. So that was really interesting to me. I remember learning about Dia de los Muertos when I was young, and that really influenced my art. I remember drawing a lot of skeletons and being really inspired by my culture artistically. Yeah, so a lot of that. Uh, there's something about Dia de los Muertos that is yeah. so fascinating as a cultural thing, and especially here in America where you have Halloween, which is super scary, and all yeah. the people who are into Halloween are super weird and wacko, and they're just crazy <laughs> people that you don't want to hang around with, but they're the nicest people ever. But yeah. it's very like, this is a time, this is to scare you, this is horror, and then you have right. Dia de los Muertos, which is a little bit more, it has its, you know, its, its spiritual element, but it is so fun and nice and has a better familial connection to yeah. it. It's yeah, just an interesting totally. concept. Exactly. It's totally different celebration. And I remember learning about that. I was a little bit older. I think I was in eighth grade or so. And I was like, wow, this is fascinating. It was my culture, but there's so many different aspects of my culture and different branches. That was something that my family particularly didn't really celebrate. So I was learning about it and just was totally fascinated. And I really love Halloween, but just being able to distinguish the differences. And sure. Oh, it just artistically it was such an influence for me. And and you'll see that a little bit later in my artwork. I sort of went from the folk art 
realm and to and sort of bringing in some of those elements of Dia de los Muertos that I enjoy, but also kind of melding it with some of the new things that were inspiring me. So, mm. but yeah, that's something that I kind of carried with me throughout the years. So always an inspiration, Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead, my culture. And yeah, I was a avid cartoon watcher as a child from the 90s, uh, Ren and Stimpy and like all the <laughs> animations that were out there at the time. And yeah, so just inspired by all that. <laughs> so you've got this high school experience, which is great because there's not, you know, unfortunately, we don't teach as much art in high school as we're supposed to anymore. And now you're deciding where you want to go to college. What was the plan you had for college? Was it art first or was it a degree? What was your thinking when you wanted to go to college? What I ended up doing is I enrolled at Fresno State University. I worked on my general ed there and my bachelor's in art. My original plan straight out of high school was I wanted to go to art school. And I didn't quite know the steps to get there. I think coming from a family of educators and something I I take pride in, my family is very much a part of our identity. My mom's a first grade teacher. My Mm. dad is a professor at Fresno State in education, and my sisters are both educators. That's just the career of the family, you know? Mm. (laughs) So I felt like that was both a great asset because my family here, they were very dedicated teachers. And I think having that experience, they very much encouraged me to pursue that. And I could see how, what a great profession that is. And I was inspired by that. But at the same time, I knew that I wanted to go to art school. I knew that I wanted to pursue something in the arts. I just wasn't sure how to get there. And I think my parents, you know, they saw my skill and they were very proud of me. But at the same time, I think there was just a lot of unknown and there was some uneasiness about how do they support me in that. And I think what they were familiar with was with their career path. And so uh, I was encouraged to do that. And so that's kind of where I went. I went with teaching. And in my heart, like, again, I admired the profession and what my parents did and what my family did. But there's an element of like, there was some fear there. And I didn't really know the steps to take to pursue a career in the arts. So when I first started working towards my credentials, there was just some unease as to like, is this really what I want to do? And I wasn't sure. I just kind of jumped in it. And looking back now, like reflecting now, I'm grateful for the experiences I got through teaching. I ended up teaching for 11 years and I couldn't have anticipated that. It was a little bit, you know, like, oh, I want to go straight to art school. This wasn't the plan I had for myself. But again, you know, I can't imagine having changed anything. Like I'm grateful now for the experiences. What were you teaching? Did you get your your elementary education oh, uh, yeah. credential I, or what was your focus? Yeah, I, I got a single subject credential in art. Oh, my gosh. So teach. you were really aiming that hard yeah. path of I'm going to be an art teacher. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting because that's something that, you know, Craig Nelson, who's the, the head of the fine art department, uh-huh. you know, when we talked to him, he made a point of saying that teaching for artists is an extremely important thing to take on because it forces you to talk about why you're doing something. 
So and it, true. And yeah. it forces you to see other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the other the other hard part about being an artist. Like, oh right. man. Especially as we're dealing with, you know, coming out of the pandemic now where it's like, oh man, I gotta talk to people. How does that Oh work? my gosh, yes. And naturally like more of a introverted type. I'm talking about myself personally. That was an experience. I had to learn how to be in front of groups of students who they are showing up and you have to be there for them, ready for them, prepared. So that was a learning experience for me. It was challenging, totally changed my whole experience. And I was 23, I started teaching. Oh, wow. And yeah, I was young. You're, you're, bar- you're had... barely formed as a person at oh, that Oh my point. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but it was amazing. I, I got to teach right out the gate with the Department of Defense. I was teaching at a high school in Baumholder, Germany. Oh, my gosh. And, so, uh, so how, okay, we had talked about that before, but how does that work? How do you just go, well, I'm just going to go teach in Europe. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm out. I'm on a plane. Got to go. Oh, my gosh. It was a stroke of luck. And my husband and I, um, at the time, we were just dating with plans to get engaged and all of that. We had moved out. We were living in San Jose at the time, and I was planning to be a substitute teacher. My husband had just found a job. And so and I had just graduated from the program. We were ready to make it work. And then I had applied to for this position and I get a call back a couple months later from a principal in Germany. And I had almost forgot that I had applied. And I just, I'm so grateful. Like, it's just one of those things that you just put it out into the universe and just hope for the best. And sometimes it comes back to you to reward you. And, so, so explain yeah. the program to me. I mean, you know, we're not, you know, this is not a, a podcast sure. about working for the Department of Defense, mm-hmm. but that seems like a very odd thing that, makes total sense when you break it down. Of course, there's people who need to learn and they're all over the world and army bases are all over the world. Military bases are all over the world. But what was base school? Would you call it that? What was that like? Yeah. So these are schools that are on American military bases throughout the world in different places where there are military stationed. And so these are the dependents of active military. So The first school that I taught at was at an army base. And so I taught at, it's just very much a traditional high school. My school was a 7th through 12th grade, a small size. I I would probably say maybe 300 students max. Still a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids to teach. Right. So that was my first experience with teaching. And it was like as traditional as I would say very similar to some schools here in the United States. The only difference is the class sizes are much smaller. And sometimes we would have combination classes. So I taught an art class mixed with studio art or ceramics and 2D drawing. So it was often like kind of juggling different areas of art. So that was a challenge too. But yeah, it was a great learning experience for me because a lot of the teachers I worked with had been doing that for their whole career. And so they had a lot of experience under their belt. And I was lucky to have teachers around me that kind of took me under their wing. And so I think I learned a lot those first couple of years while I was in Germany, just from modeling and watching all the teachers around me. I learned a lot about what it means to teach art in a structured way, especially kind of coming from my background of there's a little period of 
transition between where I received my degree at Fresno State, and that's a little in between period where I rented a studio. Oh wow! Out. Yeah, and we can talk about that too. But I think that was a big time of experimentation for me, and so I went from this free spirit experimentation, <laughs> which was great experience for me as well, but to having a little more structure and learning how to teach my craft. There's always that transition when you're an artist where it's like, okay, I've learned all this stuff. Now I Mm -hmm. hate it. Now I don't care. (laughs) Now I want to do the opposite. And then you're like, well, I don't know what that means. Which we all go through. (laughs) Especially when, you know, it's, it's funny. Like you meet somebody who's an abstract painter who's successful. And you're like, oh, I can do that. Then you sit down and try and do abstract painting. You're like, I don't understand a thing. Thing about what's going on. This is a whole lot harder than it looks. This is not mm-hmm. just throwing some splashes on the wall and calling it abstract. There's some thought and focus behind this. Exactly. Yeah. A whole nother thing when you're teaching it. What was some of those things you learned or were there any, you know, kind of life changing, well, life changing moments is a bit highfalutin, but being in Germany and being completely taken out of the U.S. and, you know, you went to Germany and then after Germany, you went to Okinawa. So you're teaching in Europe, you're teaching in Asia, you're teaching art to American students. What was around you? Was there anything that you were feeling or anything that, you know, the experiences you were having that really contributed to your future art plans? Was there anything like that? I think so. I think along the way, I I wanted to absorb everything that the country, the host country, wherever I was, I I wanted to just absorb everything I could from artistically, personally. And while I was in Okinawa, I, I took classes in pottery. I was teaching ceramics at the time. And so I was fortunate to have a just a master ceramicist. He would come to my class and assist me with teaching, like he would show me how to work on the wheel. And so just learning from wherever I was, I think that was a big experience for me personally to grow and to then share that with my students. That was great. But I think along the way, anytime that I had the opportunity to create a project for my students or to model a technique or project that we were going to do, I would find myself just getting lost in those moments. I would sometimes draw on the chalkboard before the students would arrive to class and we would be studying cross-hatching or something. And so I just like go all out and they'd come to class and I'd have this big old drawing on the board and I enjoyed making art and those little moments in between because that's the time I had to create art was with my students because I had a toddler and, and it was just challenging. We had a, a lot to do, a lot of, on our hands at that time. So I just remember living for those moments and going like, wow, I really enjoy this. Oh, that's it's, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's great because that, that's that hard part, I think, about being an artist. And, and you tell me if I'm wrong, where it's like more often than not, you kind of need that thumb screw kind of pushing you like, OK, it's time to get up. It's time to mm-hmm. paint. It's mm-hmm. time to create now. But it sounded like that was your push. That was where you thrived. Yeah, it was. And and going to the art classroom every day, you know, in a sense, I tried to create it. I tried to make it into a creative space. And we painted a mural outside of our classroom. And so it was just a, a nice environment to, for me to be in personally. But I, I wanted to create that for my students as well. So I just, yeah, felt a, a lot of motivation just being around them my students constantly making artwork and they would just live for that I mean it's hard living 
um, away from family and a lot of my students, the struggles that they went through, their parents, you know, being deployed, it's stressful. And so they just really poured their hearts out into whatever they were doing in art class. And so just to be around that, I was inspired by them. Did I guess we forget that these kids are, they're still kids. They're still Mm -hmm. angsty high school kids. It doesn't matter if I'm in some place. You know, 10 years later, they're going to go, wow, I want to go to Europe. Like you were in Europe. You you, you remember? You were <laughs> yeah. in Asia. Do you remember? But yeah, you know, when you're 14, 15, 16, nothing is good. Everything is terrible. Mom and dad are terrible. I hate my life. <laughs> but that art therapy must have been great for you and for them. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That was one thing that I will always enjoy about teaching. And one thing that I really took away from it was the impact it has on someone personally and and especially young people and my students here in Fresno especially as well. I can't say especially, but as well. I taught at inner city schools, low-income neighborhoods. A lot of my students who I had as high school students had never had an art class before. And so to expose them to this, to the world that I so much loved and was just great to see how it helps students kind of cope with trauma, with everything that they're going through and the situations that a lot of the students that experience poverty. Art is just healing. It's transformative. It's just great. So that's something that I just really took a lot of pride out of helping students kind of find that, find their voices. That's great to hear because that's the thing we always, you know, all of us artists want to believe. And for us personally, it happens, but it's great that you as an artist and an art educator are going, yeah, no, that really happens. It really does make your life better. It does. Yeah, for sure. And, And it is, I think I found that through teaching, like, wow, this is influencing my students, but I can recognize like what it meant to me. So talk to me then now, you've done teaching, you've done your tour in Germany and Okinawa, and you come back to California, and you make the decision to then get an MFA, your master's in fine art. What was the the push for that? What was your driving force to go, you know what, I want to take this to the next level and do a master's degree in, was painting the first choice, or was it something in general? Well, I think... There was a little period of time after I left working overseas where I was starting to reflect on like, okay, just a little stagnant time where I needed a push. I needed a challenge and I wasn't quite sure what that was going to be. And there was that little, that nagging voice. I call it nagging. I mean, just that gut feeling where I knew I truly loved art, but I just wasn't sure. I still that fear, that unease, or not having like a, a for sure outcome. I knew that there is an outcome, but sometimes with that jump to follow your passion, you don't always know where exactly it's going to take you. So I think that was a little bit of a fear for me. So I considered some other options, but at the end of the day, I think I was like, you know what? this is never going to go away. I'm going to be like dissatisfied (laughs) if I don't follow this. And I just kind of took the leap and I did it. And at the end of the day, like you can listen to advice from here and there. You just kind of kind of kind of need to go with your own instincts, your own gut. And I think that's what it was for me. It's like, I need to do this. And so I just did. I, I remember talking with my husband about it and 
he was very supportive and my family was very supportive. So, and that helped a lot. Just having people like say, Hey, if this is what you want to do. Go for it. And I just went for it. And I'm so happy I did. And I knew at the time I wanted the degree. That was my sort of end goal. I wanted the MFA degree and I'm still pursuing that. But along the way, you get so much out of it. I've learned so much. I've grown a lot in the last two and a half years that I've been in this program so far. And then some of the other things, awards, or just, just different things that come when you totally immerse yourself in something you love. And that, I think, was the unexpected piece about going for my MFA is, is so much more than just a degree, you know? <laughs> Hey, just want to take a very quick break and say thank you for listening to Creative Mind. If you have any questions or thoughts, let us know. Click on the show notes for our email or head over to anchor.fm slash creative mind to leave a voice message. What was the attraction then for you, not just for your MFA, but to come to the Academy specifically? What was that? Why did you pick the Academy? Yeah, well, I was looking for a school that offered the MFA specifically. And a lot of the programs that I found, you had to attend in person or you had to attend at least half time. And at the time I was working full time as a teacher and my husband and I, we sort of, we needed both of our incomes to, right, to make right. it work. You and know? teaching incomes, unfortunately, are not the greatest incomes. And, right. And even worse, you're a teacher, so you know this. And for people who forget, my mom was a teacher. So there's a part of me that's like, no, this, you know, give teachers a whole lot more money and shut up about it. Yeah. Just give them more money. <laughs> and, and you guys are working 20-hour days, it seems like. You know, forget the eight to three silliness. You guys are working mm-hmm. nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work. And so I was just like, I didn't think we could do it any other way. And so I was just happy to find Academy of Art because they offered the option to take classes 100% online. And I did my research. I, I wanted to make sure it was accredited and I was concerned about that. But yeah, everything checked out. And I looked at the professors and the program in fine arts. I was very impressed and I just jumped right in. I applied and the application process was pretty easy as far as getting my paperwork done, all of that. And it just kind of everything flowed. And before I knew it, I was enrolled in the spring of 2019. And I was so excited. I was so ready for it. I was ready for the instructors, like any feedback. I just loved it. And I remember telling my parents and they were excited for me. And I remember telling my dad and my mom, I was like showing them my assignments as like a 31 year old or whatever when I or no older than that. But <laughs> look at all the cones yeah, and squares I, I made. I made a sphere. Look, yeah. it's a sphere. It looks like a sphere. Look at my sphere. Put it on the refrigerator, mom. Put it on the refrigerator. Exactly. That was me. I was like so excited to be in school again. It had been many years and I was doing something I loved and just eating it up. I just loved it. Well, well um, let me ask you this because been. you know because yeah. this this is an important this is a good personal question for me sure. and I may cut this little part out where I explain why I'm asking you this. So yeah. I'm I'm the I'm the product production manager for the online video department. Oh, so yes. we my department makes all the videos. So one Very of the things cool. we're always figured out is you know how do you learn online? 
Yes. Uh, it, 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 it's a difficult thing. So let me ask you, you know, for you as somebody who, and this is not a raw, raw, amazing academy. You can say what you want. I don't care. But it's, it's you know, I don't care if you say something negative. It's more of, this is not me trying to get you to give us the greatest marketing material ever. But it's more of, when you are somebody who's learned art and you've also taught art, what were some of the things that you saw from the online experience that were helpful? How did that work for you as an artist to be working online? You cut out there for a minute, but I think okay. I got the gist. You as an artist, what was it like to, you know, as somebody who studied art in, in school oh, and somebody yeah. who's taught art, what was it like now learning art online? For me, I thought it was great. I loved the convenience of having those videos to just watch from the comfort of your home. I remember as a student, when you observe your teacher painting or drawing, it's a lot of stand, just that alone. Like you're standing there, you're watching for hours. And really for me, that's how I learn. I just need to see it done. I want to watch. And I mean, that's part of it anyway, but a big part of it is just watching through those tutorials. And I would do that. In this program, you have access to hours of footage of your teachers, your professors painting or modeling whatever assignment, whatever technique you need to learn. And the great thing about that is you can pause, <laughs> you can rewind. You're like, what? I didn't quite get that. You can go back. And so that was uh, honestly like a, a big tool for me. Sometimes I'd set up the computer alongside my painting and I would just kind of work with the professor there, like kind of along at the same time. And that was uh, a really great tool for me. And also the hours, you sort of set your own hours as a student and with my daughter at the time. And we started homeschooling with the pandemic, like a lot of people did. So that I felt like was really convenient for my lifestyle. And even before the pandemic, you know, practices, dance classes. Right, we life. Were, yeah, it's busy, it gets busy. And so not having to drop everything and, and leave to school, it was really nice to just be able to do that from home. And I mean, albeit there's challenges there too, but we all kind of worked as a family and I'm happy that my husband was very supportive. And so we'd take turns and do what we could to support each other and help each other out. And and there were times that I had to set my school aside as well and just kind of focus on that and sort of make our own schedule. But but it for me, it was great. It, it really gave me the opportunity to get my education because I don't know, I probably would have had to be on hold a bit. Just the convenience of it was made it attainable for me. Yeah, well, that's great. That's, that, that's, yeah. that's a fabulous success story. But that's difficult because, yeah, a lot of people forget that life does come around 24 right. hours a day, whether you want to or not. <laughs> it does. It does. Well, let, let's get into the really important stuff about you. Let's talk about your work because your work is really fabulous. You know, the work that was shown at our recent spring show, and you, you haven't graduated yet, so that's an even cooler thing is, you know, your work's getting into spring show while you're still studying. Th these portraitures that series that you're working on is great. So tell me about this thesis project you've got, and we'll put all the images up on our website and Instagram. We really want people to look at that in, in the show notes. But Tell me about this thesis project. What's your inspiration and style that you can walk us through? Thank you very much, first of all. So I'm working on a thesis called Wonder, 
and my paintings are mostly figurative. Actually, they're all figurative in nature. And so I would say the inspiration for this project has been, has sort of evolved over time, but really my focus is on capturing the feeling of childhood wonderment and what that looks like as an adult closely observing my own daughter and friends of the family and their children, what it looks like to a child to be in the moment of pure awe and wonder, just pure wonder for nature, for those first experiences when interacting with the environment. I think a lot of the inspiration for this kind of felt natural because I was reflecting on my own experiences through my experience as a child. And so I think I mentioned my dad before and how much of an influence he was on me. As a child, he exposed us to to the arts, but also more, I think in, even younger, at a younger age, he took us out outside to experience nature, to look through a telescope and just sit out and watch the stars and took us out into nature and just was constantly fascinated. He had this almost borderline like obsession with the natural <laughs> world. And it was really exciting to like be invited into that. He inspired me, but I also a lot of the people that were part of our lives and my father's life, that's one thing that he kind of gave as just being in his presence. He was just so intensely fascinated by all of that. And and it was just infectious. And it, I think it influenced my worldview just to go through life with this childlike curiosity, just to be open and excited and interested about the world. And that translates to the cultures that we share, you know, our community with in the natural world. As an artist, I've been trying throughout the years to not lose that, to just stay curious. And I think there's a period of time where I had a studio in downtown Fresno called Broadway Studios. It was sort of a collaborative community of other artists and everybody was just experimenting. There was just this playful energy, you know, and I remember that was just a huge influence on me being curious. And so going back to my thesis, I just really wanted to focus on that and why that's so important to me. There is a very unique style to this as well, because you look at your work and that wonderment does come in. The image you have of, of a young girl flying a kite is a very unique angle. And the intimacy, and you know, that word intimacy gets used a lot in fine art and a lot in imagery. Where it's like, oh, it's a very intimate image. But this image, there is a point of view that you're almost hugging your subjects. There's a very very closeness to it, which is really lovely. And, you know, if you have kids, you, you recognize if you don't, it's still attractive. Talk to me about some of your influences on style and your lighting and even your hands in a lot of those, because there's a lot of great technique in your work. Talk to me a little bit about that yeah. style, where those influences came yeah. from. Thank you. Yeah, I think a lot of the um, inspiration for that was just from following my daughter around, just kind of came naturally. I didn't do a lot of pre-sketching for some of these paintings. It just came by talking with my daughter about sort of giving her an idea of what I'm interested in. Also kind of prompting her to say, I just sort, sort of told her, I want you to just have fun and I want you to explore and 
enjoy the environment. I just sort of followed her around and I really tried to get very close with my compositions. I took a lot of shots where, yeah, I would kind of share the space with her. So like you mentioned that painting with the kite, that was my daughter's first time flying a kite. And so, yeah, a lot of her reactions and expressions, that was all natural. Like she was just genuinely interested and inspired and just having a great time. And I just kind of try to get up, get really close to the child and sort of capture that moment because that's what I find so special is just that fleeting moment of wonder that kind of flashes across their face and in their body language. And I think it's sort of evolved from some of my more early paintings in the series to the compositions that I'm using now. I'm trying to come up with interesting ways to capture that personal and that intimate space. Because there's, you can always depict someone in the traditional sense, but trying to move from that more traditional depiction of a, a portrait to something more where you feel like you're in it, in the moment with the child. And a lot of that was through my professors kind of pushing me or encouraging me to seek out some different types of compositions. And so it's been a learning process and I honestly, it's evolved since I first began, but it's the direction that I feel like it's going in. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I mean, one of of your other images that really jumped out at me, I'm going to be really pretentious here. I went to art school as well, so I can say things like this, that you had (laughs) one of the young girl and the way the lighting and her hand, I think she's playing with a leaf or something like that. And the way you had the hands and the way the lighting of the hands were and the hands were, you know, I'm going to say grotesque, but grotesque, not in ugly. A lot of times in art, you say these grotesque movements or these more exaggerated movements of her hand had those Renaissance inspirations, those Caravaggio-esque, if we can be equally pretentious, where (laughs) you're seeing that every joint in her hand is engaged. And I think, you know, when you see a little kid, they do grab things in a way where they're almost learning how to use their hands, where you and I are like, eh, you just pick things up. You actually look at a kid <laughs> picking something up for the first time. They're like, I don't know what this is. I don't know how to make my hands move. I, there's too much stimuli going on right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's got a really, really great look to it. It's very different from a lot of the contemporary work I think we're seeing now. It's got a a really nice throwback to some of that more traditional oil painting. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think with the lighting in those hands and some of those paintings, number one, it was a challenge for me. I, I remember seeing some other artwork where they played with light in an interesting way like that. And I was like, I want to do that. That's really interesting to me. So part of it was like, I wanted to learn through the process of just painting it and because it's, it's just so beautiful to me that the way the color, the light shows through the skin and it influences the tones of the hand. And so that was really fun, a learning process. But also, I think I'm just really captivated by light in this series because that's happening a lot in these paintings. Sometimes it was unintentional, but now I'm like kind of seeking that. When I shot the photos for some of the latest paintings that I've done. I try to go out early in the morning or at twilight. I'm trying to, or not twilight, but the golden hour 
where the sun is starting to just looks great, looks looks uh, sort that, of that, that four that minutes of perfect, amazing light that is impossible to right. work with, but is absolutely yeah. insanely beautiful. Exactly, and uh, there's sometimes, and my professors will comment. Oh, this is challenging. Like lighting, good luck. <laughs> and I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? That's always fun when a professor goes, oh, good <laughs> yeah, luck. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> I mean, not in that way, but you know, they're like, wow, okay, this is not an, an easy source of light to depict. And it's true, like the working in shadow and rim light, and so that's been a learning process. But but I love it. I love the look and. So I want to keep doing that. So I, I really love to hear that comment that you picked up on that. And so thank you. No, it, it, I, it was really good. I mean, the work, if you're looking at uh, the Spring Show site, the work jumps off the page. I think that's why, you know, who was it that, you know, Juxtapose featured you. Let's talk about that as, as an artist, when you're looking to get noticed and then you're entering contests and you're entering shows and then you're getting that great press review. How do you structure your dare we say, business of being an artist around that? How are you choosing shows and how are you doing the things you do to get seen? So much of this right now, I'm just getting my feet wet. It's all been about just getting my education. I've been so focused on that. And I do have a a personal business Instagram account. And I'm sort of shifting gears now because I feel like that's just the next step for me. And so I'm learning a lot by just kind of following some artists that I'm inspired by who are already kind of doing that. And so I'm just learning a lot. I have my website up now. So it's just a learning process, but I'm fully ready to just sort of jump right in like 100%. And right now, that's what I do. I'm not teaching at the moment and I'm 100% in school and also a working artist. So I'm interested in taking different paths for income, like education, if it pops up again, I can go that route, but also exploring what opportunities that I can, you know, with either making prints or I'd love to have a gallery show with other artists. I entered a few competitions recently, so that's all very new to me. And so I'm just kind of jumping right in right now. And I think the opportunity to have my artwork featured in Juxtapose, that was a pivotal moment for me. I think where I I had these goals of pursuing my degree. These are just things that I didn't really have on my radar. And I think when I got the notification that I was going to be featured, not only just lifted my spirits, but it was just validating to like, it's like, keep going or you can set your bar higher and just keep reaching for that next goal. It was just a stratospheric, like I can't even, I can't even explain like the excitement over it. I mean, I was so honored and so humbled. And I think just that alone caused me to just sit and reflect wow, what else can I do with this? Like, I'm really going, yeah. So I'm just really excited about what's to come and learning and just going one step at a time. What you said is just a great attitude to have. Like, well, now I can set the bar higher. Right. (laughs) I got to rung 10. I guess there's an 11. Yeah. I go to 12. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, 
Uh, to go back a little bit on the school stuff, because you're still in school, which is always funny to say to a grown adult, like, you're still in school. How's school? What are some of those techniques and, and some of the instructors? Because really, I want to find out the things that you're learning in a master's program and for a thesis is very different because a lot of people, when they do a master's, it's like, I have to write a paper. And then I write this paper and maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't, but that's the deal. When you're doing a master's thesis in school, it's you're creating a massive amount of art. I mean, this is, you're creating a feeling and a vibe. Some of those instructors in, and some of those techniques you learned, what were some of those, if you can give me some specifics on those that you went, wow, this is something I never even thought of, or this is a person who gave me some advice or critique that really motivated me the right way. Yeah, that was huge for me, having the ability to connect one-on-one -on -one with my professors, both through Zoom and just this constant dialogue through online chats and online messaging. That feedback has been huge. So I've had some professors throughout this program who have looked at my strengths and also identified areas personally that I need to improve on. And down to the specifics, if there's something that I need to improve on, the way that I'm handling my brushwork or how to show an authentic representation of space through color tones and that kind of thing. I've learned so much through that one-on-one -on -one feedback. And then also being able to take criticism and learn from it and be able to say, I'm here to learn and accept any and all feedback that's what helps you grow. And so that's what I've done really is humbled myself and just been like, hey, give me any feedback. I will take it and learn what, from it. What was some of that advice and feedback and who, who gave it to you? So my professor this semester, why am I blanking? <laughs> Don't include that part. The, the, the guy, the guy who holds the paintbrush on the video, yeah. that guy. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not supposed to say that. I wrote his name down and now I can't remember. Oh, it'll come to me. Hang on. I had Je Jesse Mangerson, Carolyn Meyer, and so many other professors. I can't even name them all right now, but I've had so much encouragement and helpful feedback. For me, I think one of the big takeaways this semester was pushing myself to take an extra pass over my work when I think it's done. Because sometimes I'll be like, this is the best I can do. Or I'm tired, and I don't say that, but that's how I feel at the end of a project. And, you know, there's deadlines, and, and there's that part of you that's like, I'm done. Or not even having the vision to know where a piece can be taken. And that's where my professors with experience, expertise, where they come in and they're like, you don't have to do this, but what if you did this? Or like, I challenge you to take another pass over those hands or take another pass over the face on this side, you know, I encourage you, what do you think about this? And the lazy part of me are like, you know, I'm like, I'm done, I'm tired. But every time I've done that, I amaze myself because I'm like, whoa, I didn't see that or I didn't know it could be taken to that level. So that is where I'm very grateful to have had that person there to have the foresight to, to see where it could go. 
Because that because you, you're mm-hmm. doing you're doing figurative work, which you know we're right. being fancy and saying figurative work, but you're painting people. You know, right. the most difficult thing to paint because oftentimes if a person doesn't look like a person and you meant it to look like a person, you're in trouble. You can do abstract, you can do you know interpretive, but if that person's supposed to look like the person in the picture, yeah. and it doesn't, you're in trouble. I um, know. Give us a few tips and tricks that you've learned or some of those things that you've had to really focus down on when it comes to painting people. Ooh, yes. I think for me, trying to jump into highlights too soon, like it's a big no-no for me. And I would get excited about those exciting areas in a painting where the light is just perfect and jumping in too soon. It's like, whoa, I've got to back up and this needs to come as a process, you know, and so I'm working on layering and starting with the darker part or the mid-tones first and sort of building on layer by layer and then leaving the lightest areas of the painting last. And same thing for the darkest darks. Like if you jump into that too soon, then you kind of don't have a sense of the range of values that really bring out the, the dimensionality of the portrait. So it's been a process of learning how to kind of pace myself. And also, it's not going to get done in a day. In the style that I'm working in, I need to sort of let the paint dry after doing, you know, a, a pass, basically, and then come back and then work work layer by layer. Because you're, you're, you're still working, working in oils, right? I'm working in oils, yeah. Okay, so it's not, not the most forgiving. Yeah, I used to mostly paint in acrylics, so... Working with oils was basically kind of new for me in this program. So a lot of learning through the process. And I've sort of also experimented with different mediums. I paint in my house. So I've tried to kind of steer away from using a lot of turpentine or solvents to just more like uh, natural-based mediums or less fumy products. So that's sort of been a transition, finding what works for me. But yeah, I've learned a lot, I think, in this last year about working with the face, working in the softer shadows, the cooler temperatures has been sort of where my work has been kind of headed lately with this series. So I feel like I'm still got a lot to go, but I'm feeling a little more confident. It takes me a little less time than it used to when I started the program, uh, a portrait took me or a thesis work would take me weeks and weeks (laughs) to where I can shorten the amount of time it takes from start to finish. Yeah, I think it just comes with time and and putting in that time and learning learning those, you know, I'm calling them tips and tricks, but they're actually a skill set of how to make that stupid hair on a stick do the thing (laughs) it's supposed to do. Yes. Exactly. To kind of wrap it up a little bit, you've got this, you know, you know, we've kind of ignored it this whole time, but you're like living in boxes because you're getting ready to leave America again. So tell me, how's this going to work for you? How is this plan you have? Tell me about it. What's happening now for you in just a short three weeks? Yes, a lot is happening. It's all very exciting. So we are moving out of our house. We sold our home that we've lived in for about six years now. I'm in Fresno and my husband accepted a job to work in Germany. We're going to be in Bavaria and it's through the military branch of the military. And so we're headed out there in August. Very excited. I think I was a little scared at first because it's just 
packing up and moving away from our family. And so there's an element of like, it's a little scary, a big move for us, but ultimately very excited. We lived there before. We just loved the environment. It's very green there. The lifestyle, the slower pace of living in um, Germany, we kind of gravitated towards that. And the language my husband can speak and I'm currently learning as far as my career, like the direction that everything is headed, this I, I'm ready for it. I am still in school, so I'm going to be finishing up online there while in Germany. And then I want to seek out opportunities for continuing my education. I know there's ateliers and there's, I think, ARC, Art Renewal Center is nearby, one of the places for that. Yeah, I just looked that up. I was very excited about that. And also the whole gallery situation. I'm interested in getting more exposure through galleries or some experiences with that. So I'm very open right now and and we'll see what's to come. But I, I feel excited. You are living that strange dream that so many people have where it's like, if I can be an artist and go to Europe, and you're like, yeah, I got to go back to Europe again. All right. Okay, fine. All right, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's really cool that we got this opportunity again. I was super shocked because it's hard. We've applied to some different positions and there's a lot of people out there looking for work right now and it's not easy. And this just kind of came along and we're like, well... We better go with it. <laughs> yeah, right. So, exactly. Yeah. To officially wrap it up, what can we expect to see? Where should we start looking at your work and where should we look to follow you for all everybody who's we, we've talked about your work and we want everybody to see it. Where should we start looking? Awesome. Well, I'd be happy to have people follow me on my Instagram account. You can I'm going to post updates on our move and my work. And that one is basically my last name. So I just shortened it because Baca Vecchio is very long. It's BV Artist. Okay. BV underscore artist. And that's probably the best way. I also have a website and it's carolinebacavecchio.com. And we will put all that in the show notes for sure so people can follow you. This is exciting. I, I, I'm super excited and angrily jealous at you for being able to go, got to go to Europe again. Sorry, I'm out. You know, getting, getting paid to go live in Europe. Sorry, guys. But, you know, it's really good because the work is fabulous. And we'll check in with you again as you get closer to graduation because I think very few online students get to pick up and leave in the middle of their uh, education go, oh, you're going it's to another country. Not, I know. It's crazy. I can't even believe it. It's nuts. We're very grateful, very excited, and just going with it. So there you have it, a true, and I hate to say it, masterclass into the world of fine art painting. And as more and more art and design career opportunities are on the rise, employers are always on the hunt for the next generation of talented and skilled creative professionals. And at the Academy of Art University, you will get those work-ready skills that employers and, of course, galleries want. You can study on-site in downtown San Francisco and, of course, anywhere in the world with our online programs. To request more info about our 40-plus areas of study in art and design, including painting, illustration, game design, and more, visit our website at academyart.edu slash creativemind. Thank you for listening. I'm Bobby Brill, and this has been Creative Mind.